Hello and welcome to Let's Talk More Monkey, the Archie McPhee podcast. I'm David Wall, the director of Awesome here at Archie McPhee, and today I'm joined by Shauna Danger, the high priestess of rubber chickens, and Mark Paolo, the owner of Archie McPhee, to talk to Seattle broadcaster Pat Cashman. What an honor. We're here with um, Seattle legend Pat Cashman. and That's, a, uh, that's actually two words, Dave. It's like... <laughs> Leg end. Oh, sorry. Leg leg end Pat Cashman. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, I thought it was Cashman like Batman. <laughs> it's Batman. And, Thank you, uh, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Shauna and uh, Mark from Archie McPhee uh, joining us today, too. And uh, man, what an honor to talk to you. Um, one, of, one of the things that we were just saying is um, how recognizable your voice is, because I, um, I, I watched uh, Almost Live on Comedy Central before I moved to Seattle. So oh, I actually... Really? Where were you living? Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, and so I, I actually like that was uh, right before I moved. Uh, that was named, that was named after Christopher Ohio, who exactly. discovered who discovered our country. Your voice is uh, very Seattle to me, and it's like one of the most Seattle things. And uh, because you've been associated at, like in commercials and on TV and everything, so uh, it's that's what I was say. Like you are just a true historic part of seattle oh my god you are recording this right <laughs> yes i am recording it but it yeah. is also true where yeah. i i was just like and yeah. and uh um you you have a podcast um that you started um almost live still alive yeah. and uh, you yeah. guys are going to go through um everyone that was on almost live mm-hmm. and um, interview yeah. them and kind of it's kind of a would you call it like an audio documentary I guess it it uh, effectively becomes that uh, it is individual. Uh, you know, I, I thought at first I thought, well, during this COVID time, this would be kind of a fun thing for uh, anybody that remembers the show and grew up with it or grew old with it to to uh, find out what are these people up to now? What what was it like? How'd you get on the show? Uh, what are some stories about it? And uh, and we have done these things before where they get the whole group together and uh you know people like me believe it or not uh, do not uh, offer that willingly so the conversations get dominated by certain <laughs> other people and right so, and so i thought <laughs> let, let me just talk to each person separately get their story and so these podcasts are just that individual conversations with folks from Bill Nye to John Keister to Ross Schaefer, who was the very first host, uh, Nancy Guppy, Tracy Conway, um, uh, Joel McHale, everybody was on the show back when. And the beauty of it is that I'm the host. So nobody interviews me. So I don't have to lay anything bare. It's just me. I get to run it. So I love that part of it as well. But I I have to say, I've got a couple of them in the can now, and they're out. uh, And we'll tell you where the website is. But uh, they're... You know what? I hope they would would be good. They're really good. And I hate to say it because it's me putting them together, but it's not me. It's, it's how candid and wonderful these folks to a person are. Uh, You have individuals talking about being, having lifelong depression about marital woes, about 
uh, being scared and upset and uh, uncertain if they were going to be any good. And I, I just love that, that part of it. And I think uh, viewers of the show will, will like that too. Well, yeah. I listened to that first episode. It was it was very interesting uh, to hear uh, Ross Schaefer talk. Uh, and he yeah. dished too, by the way. Yeah. Ross Schaefer yeah. dishes. Yeah, and there's some people that dish. I like that too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you don't want. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when if I'm going to read a book, I love reading nonfiction, but I don't want to read somebody's biography written by somebody else. I I, I mean, I I I mean, I do want to read it written by somebody else. I. I I want yeah. warts, warts and all. Right. I don't want some sanitized biography. And I think um, these people compare notes. I, I noticed that uh, in the course of conversations, they're remembering things entirely different than I remembered them and vice versa. And I say, no, that, that's not the way I remember it. But I don't uh, I don't know for sure. Everybody's perceptions are are uh, filtered through time and, and uh, your individual circumstance. So it is fun, especially to compare stories about particular events, such yeah. as the most infamous from Almost Live, the where the night the Space Needle fell over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, now, one of, that's one of Shauna's favorite favorite moments well, on the show. <laughs> it is, and I have a Space Needle tattoo on my leg too, and I'm I love everything Space Needle because unlike David Wall, I am from Seattle. So I've been around through all of this stuff, and um, so great. So, so uh, having a tattoo on your ankle means that when your arches fall, you'll be recreating that almost dead <laughs> moment. That'll be great. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Excellent. That well, that, a- that that episode uh, came pretty early in the show's history, and I won't bore you with the details you already know, but it it became. Uh, we got in big trouble for it. Uh, right. The show did. But the show was at a point where nobody was watching it anyway. Nobody knew of it. And uh, I would es- expect that very few people were watching that night. I, I think there was a uh, NCAA basketball final on that very same evening. So there were a lot of things that people could have been tuned to instead uh, <laughs> of this obscure show. But what happened was that people would start calling each other. Hey, Larry, I just heard on uh, this TV show that the Space Needle fell over. <laughs> your, your your sister works there, right? <laughs> yeah, I ain't heard nothing. Well, I better call. And so pretty soon the whole thing starts spreading around. 911 lines are jammed and um, and it became a cause celebre, which in, in hindsight, while we got in trouble, it suddenly put this obscure show on the national map because it got picked up by all these these uh, news outlets long before there was the internet or anything, and uh, and so it it gained a certain sort of notoriety for the show that you know standard promotion just can't buy. So would you say would out. you say that was about 1984, 85, somewhere in there? Yeah, you know, I wish I knew. Well, the yeah. show began in 1984, so right. I'm guessing it was probably and and Schaefer had left the show. It's funny because Ross remembers that he was the host of that show. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh no! no. I, I had to remind him that well, not on the podcast, but. In, uh, 
private it, conversations. He thought, yeah, I wasn't I the host? I, I can't remember. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about where memories become blurred. That's what right. I, I actually was wondering if you were having words after like correcting, <laughs> correcting yes. some of this stuff. No, it's just, I mean, I do the same thing. I think I was in, doing something or in a place that I wasn't. Uh, we all do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But because it makes the story better. But, uh, but in fact, it, so it couldn't have been 84 or 85. I wish I had it in front of me. It must have been more like 86, 87, yeah. even 87, I would say. But they and, still uh, run it every yeah. uh, April 1st. They, I still see it every year. Yeah. It, and, it, and it's funny because there were some shows that they said, okay, we're going to let you off the hook, but we're never running this show again, ever. And there was one, <laughs> I remember one show we did where they made fun of car dealers and the Northwest uh, Auto Dealers or some organization like that called up and they canceled all their advertising on King. And uh, oh, so they, they, they had to, uh, you know, uh, sweet talk these people back into advertising again but they vowed don't you worry we're never gonna air that show again <laughs> and then you know a few years ago i said hey there's that show they reran it <laughs> because the institutional memory at king goes out the door with people who retire and leave and nobody remembers we made fun of gene anderson one show small humor but they same thing we're never running that again don't you worry gene <laughs> And it, and it re-ran again within a year. So <laughs> I'm going to look that one up. That's funny. Yeah, that is great. Uh, uh, I actually had a weird question to ask you, too, because I looked at your Wikipedia page and I did not know this about you. You were a horror movie host in Boise. It was a misspelling. I was a horrible movie host. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, But it has the best name for one of those shows that I've seen, The Peculiar Playhouse. Thank you. Thank you. I was so happy with that name. We, I love it. We just worked and worked on coming up with a name for it. And I didn't want it to be, say terror or horror or any of those right. obvious things. Sinister cinema, you know, any of that stuff. And then a Peculiar Playhouse made it. Uh, Playhouse is kind of an old-fashioned word anyway, yeah. like I am. But, but it let us have license to do all kinds of things that had nothing to do with the horror movie. We shot a lot of field pieces. In, in many ways, for me, it was a precursor to almost live sketches and things. I'd do all these silly, goofy sketches all over uh, Boise, Idaho, where the show aired. Yeah, I mean, and and um, I was just, when I saw that, I actually like was Googling to see if there was any uh, YouTube footage of it, because I love those old, uh, local, locally produced shows, especially from the 70s and early 80s. They're just so amazing. Yeah, we're That's huge fantastic. fans of all of those. Type and, of and talk about free reign to be creative. <laughs> I know, it was great. I mean, it, this a station, this it was in Boise, Idaho, and it's in the mountain time zone, and they had no cable. At the time I was there, which is makes me sound That's super awesome. Odd. There was only the local broadcast stations, so oh. uh, they would and they would sign off at in, at night. So uh, I proposed let's uh, Saturday Night Live, for example. This was an NBC affiliate. Saturday Night Live came on at ten thirty there, so it, oh. they would shut the station down at midnight. And I said, why don't we run uh, an old movie, a creepy movie? and capture some of that airtime everybody else has signed off somehow they found that persuasive and so we did this 
show and we got the worst movies we could find. <laughs> I remember they were That's 50. the only way to do a show like that. Oh, I know. There were 50 <laughs> bucks a throw. I can remember the number. $50. They were just awful. And that and the worse they were, the better we liked it. I did promos and I would, you know, put words into the mouths of uh, the movie characters oh, and awesome. stuff for yes. promos. I'll try to send you some of this stuff. Uh, it doesn't really exist on the YouTube, but there, I found this guy that has a website, an obscure website, where he chronicles every horror movie host yes. of the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I'm in there. Professor, oh. My character's name was Professor Farndark. He doesn't have any video, but he describes... Uh, Jasper, Jasper Farndark. Jasper T... Yeah, whatever that name means, but... Uh, <laughs> And I was, uh, tw- I think I was in my mid twenties at the time, and I, I put gray in my hair, and I oh. wore a fake mustache, and uh, that- it was it was just really fun. And and yeah. and so what happened was that we uh, did this show, and uh, the station manager realized that our real jobs, mine was to be the production director at the station, and other people, we were all goofing around with this show all day long, and he. He said, okay, that's enough of that. We're taking this off the air. So he takes it off the air. And then this just doesn't happen in real life. Uh, He takes it off the air. About a month later, six weeks later, he comes to me and he says, my God, have you seen the ratings for your show? Oh, "Oh, really? What? He said, well, you guys have a 93 share. (laughs) That means 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 93 out of... Every television, every 100 TV sets in Boise is watching your show. That's like and, that's like finale of Mash numbers. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> I was I was quite bullied about it until I realized that everybody else had signed off at that time. Right. So, right. what were the other seven percent of people looking at? <laughs> I, I dwelt I dwelt on that. But anyway, then he then he put us back on the air again until. I got another job in Seattle and left the station. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, um, Mark was actually a guest on um, Almost Live. Tell so us Mark, about the owner, that. Mark. Mark, the owner of Archie McPhee. Yeah, Mark, the owner of Archie McPhee. <laughs> you were a guest on there, right, Mark? Yep, several times. And what what was kind of the format of your segment on there when you went on? Um, well, John Keister... Who does he still wear black jeans? Because he was the black jeans guy. He he um he had his kind of deadpan thing, and I played yeah. this very pretty much myself, which was this extremely introverted, um, <laughs> intense, odd person that was very very serious about rubber chickens and and yeah. sparking. I remember that. And yeah. Things. yeah, and uh, we would. We'd put a bunch of stuff out on the table and, and, you know, John would say funny things about it. I'd, I'd talk a little bit about it. And it, it, I was on several times. Um, I remember I had to share a dressing room with Harry Connick Jr. Which was, really? Which, yeah. Which was pretty cool. It was back when King five was a lot smaller and they didn't have much, it didn't have that cool facility. I think um, the. Um, Did Connick I, sing to you? Well, he, he sang to Seattle. I mean, he's a good singer. You got to you got to <laughs> hand it to the guy. Uh, was anybody in the dressing room sorting out his uh, green M and M's or anything like that? Like, do you have any dressing room no, he gossip? Was pretty. He was really young, and it was really um, 
I mean, he was at the beginning of his his career. He didn't. Well, that's cool. I don't remember him being on it, but but yeah. back in those early days of Almost Live, they would routinely have comics on um, because they had you know had time to fill, and plus the comics. I think they were taping the show on Thursdays, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. back in the day, and and it later became a Saturday night taping, but. Uh, so we would have uh, Ellen DeGeneres. I've got tape of this. Ellen DeGeneres oh. was on. Jerry Seinfeld, Dana Carvey, uh, oh, wow. Paula Poundstone. Yeah. All these, all these wow. comics were w- because they were in town working at Swanee's or Comedy Underground or whatever it was, and and so they, you know, uh, would go. We could get them to be on the show because we were taping on a Thursday night. They could plug their weekend performances, but. Uh, that stuff's amazing, and it's fun to watch these people. Very green, but you could already tell in many cases uh, they were going to be something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, um, w- one of the really amazing things, and this this is actually um, one of the reasons I'm excited to listen to more of your podcast is um, you gathered together this amazing group of people, and they all went on to do such amazing things afterwards too. Except yeah. for me. Yep. You're right. Except, yeah. Well, that's why you're the one making the documentary. <laughs> I don't have to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pat, what have you been doing since yeah, Exactly. Uh, well, oh, uh, I, got... I do a lot of charity work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but... uh, I've become a pretty good lawnmower, I think. Um, <laughs> But and, a, and I will rake, by the way. A lot of people really? who mow your mow your lawn won't rake. I'll do that. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. But it's <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, uh Shauna was Shauna was pointing out to me too, um, uh just uh, about the movie Nebraska, right, Shauna? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? I it was yeah, amazing. So Bob Nelson. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. It's it it was it actually was nominated for an Academy Award, right? That's correct. Oh, Bob that's Nelson, amazing. one of the writers on the show, uh, and and a reluctant performer on the show. He never, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit like you, Mark. He just uh, you know really was kind of laid back and not very, uh, you know, you just never got the sense. I don't really want to be on TV, <laughs> but I guess that's part of the job. They can't just hire me as a writer. I have to do other stuff too. Uh, but, but I, I think to a person, everybody will say, uh, Bob Nelson was the premier writer of the show. He just got better and better and better. And in his private time, he started working on these various screenplays he still does. And this, this screenplay for this movie, Nebraska uh, had been knocking around for 10 years and it, it took 10 years to get made after That's it was option. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then it happened and, and he's, you know, he got an Academy Award nomination. He went to Cannes, he went to all these wonderful experiences. And so vicariously, I just would always call him up and say, Bob, what happened this week? Who'd you meet? Yeah. Uh, well, well, my wife and I, we uh, were sitting at a party and Jack Nicholson came over and Hey, you Bob Nelson. I heard a lot about you, you know, and, <laughs> And then he and then he would tell stories like uh, he said Mickey Rooney came walking over, and and, and Ni- I was talking to Nicholson, and Nicholson looks up at Mickey Rooney who is a, and, and I hope this is trending well for you, yes. but Mick, Mickey Rooney was the famous, very famous guy in his day. He was probably the biggest thing going in movies, and uh, yeah. so Mickey by now is in his eighties, nineties. He wanders over. 
There's Bob talking to Jack Nicholson. Jack looks up at Mickey and says, hey, Mickey, get lost, would you? And and Bob is just, oh, my God, I, I feel so bad. And Mickey looked crestfallen and walked away. So Bob made a point of catching up with him later. Wow. Well, this is, Pat, you may not, you may not know that David Wall is an expert on Mickey Rooney. He he, he knows all the stories. Yeah. He has a, he has a Mickey Rooney thing. So he already already knew that. I I don't know if it's a thing. I will just tell you, uh, Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rooney wrote two autobiographies. Yeah. I read one of them. And they're insane. Well, now, wait a minute. One of them I read was a biography, which is really insane i mean he that guy was like the lothario of hollywood he was read read his autobiography it's 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 as if someone just put a tape recorder in front of him and you know how you said like people remember things and take credit for things yeah it's it's like imagine if an editor never never corrected anything and mickey rooney just talked for like eight hours and they transcribed it that's the book i've always i've always heard that about him but he was a he was a pill. I mean, the movie, uh, uh, you know, studio heads, they just couldn't keep him under control. He was out. Well, I mean, he was married 95 times for one well, thing. And I've, I've, one of the, one of his business ideas that he really wanted to do was a national chain of corned beef restaurants staffed only by little people dressed as leprechauns. Okay. Now that's a good idea. <laughs> That was that was one of Mickey Rooney's. That was something he tried to franchise. Oh, well, I was listening to uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day, and they were talking about Mickey Rooney. And he, one of his other ideas was that he wanted to do a TV series, but and I and I won't say this on your show, but yeah. every every character in the TV show had a curse word for a name. Yes, I yeah. heard that too. Did, did you hear about that? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Oh. That was the whole idea. There was nothing else besides that. And, and, he would, and, and he would tell people the idea. He would pitch it to them. He would say, hello, yeah. Mr. Bleep. Hello, yeah. Mrs. Bleep. Yeah, yeah. that was his idea. <laughs> hey, F-head, come here. Yeah. I'm your father. You listen to me. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, oh, he, so he was a character. Yeah. Well, he oh. apparently wanted to remind people constantly of who he used to be, and he was the biggest thing ever, as, and he needed to remind people of that. And circling it back to Almost Live, uh, I I just think I, I was I still am amazed at the at the uh, the universal humility of everybody on the show. I mean, you always yeah. read things about Saturday Night Live and the dog eat dog world of that, and this was exactly the opposite. Uh, you know, everybody would go, no, 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 your sketch is the better one. That should, yeah, th- that's the one we should do this week. Oh, no, no, I like your ideas better. No, you, I, you should play that character. No, you'd be much better. I mean, everybody's like, wow. you know, it, it's like a Seattle thing. No, you yeah. totally totally is a Seattle, Seattle thing. thing. No, that is no, very you, Seattle. No, your car is in the intersection. You should go first. No, 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 you go. No, no. You don't. It, <laughs> that's so bad. Pat, have you had Bill Nye on your yes. the podcast? Um, yeah. He hasn't. Just, uh, that, just, that hasn't uh, been dropped yet, but yeah, it's it's coming. But I would like to add, you know, all this humility stuff. I got shade from Bill Nye for yeah. for, being, for being a merchant, you know, and it was like he was like serious comedy, serious science, and yeah, like, who is this rubber chicken guy? 
So yeah. it's like yeah, but it's he's been, the guy that danced in crab legs. So you can't. Yeah. I remember that those old yeah. crab leg commercials with Bill Nye dancing too. So well, he, um, Bill is he's the most interesting character I think I've ever met in my life. He is a he's a very sweet guy. At turns, he can seem to be, uh, you know, very standoffish. My dad always used to say to me, Pat, if people think you're standoffish, never speak to them again. <laughs> <laughs> that really speaks to me. <laughs> but 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 Bill was kind of Bill kind of landed in the middle of this uh incredible celebrity that that just took off and yeah. it's and it's still on today. And so I can't relate to it, but I mean if you're at a certain level like that, people always want your time. They always uh they yeah. You know, you'd be in a restaurant and people, a little kid will come, hi, can I get your autograph? And uh, look, I'm trying to eat here. And yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've seen Bill do that. And I think, man, I don't know. I think I'd just drop what I was doing and sign the autograph. But, right. but he's had to navigate a different kind of world than mine. Well, so I don't know. And he's yeah, got an, he's got an engineer brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. He does. And he's been on Dancing with the Stars. So like. You know, yeah, I, he, I, he was, it was kind of fascinating. He had a he had a comic brain and and a scientist brain, and right. the, the two of them just kind of didn't always mesh very well. Exactly. We would, when we would have him on the show, we'd have like, okay, we're going to do this experiment tonight, and this and this big oil drum will collapse when you fill it with a I don't know whatever some kind of gas or something. And, uh, and it would work in rehearsal pretty well. So then we would, then the real show would come along and it's time for the experiment. And it, maybe it didn't work exactly the way it was supposed to. And Bill, you know, wouldn't be the kind of guy I'd go, well, <laughs> that's the way it goes. You know, joking. He, he, you could see his face contort. And he said, damn it. That should have worked. That has to work. What went wrong? What did I forget? I forgot something. Oh, I know what it was. You know, it'd be like that. And so, so he'd depart from the comic side of it to get very serious science, but that's what made him so appealing. I think. I agree. Yeah, I agree. You know, I have just I remember also he um, we were out of rubber brains one time at Archie McPhee, and he came in and he was pretty ticked off because <laughs> he was like, he was like, I need a rubber brain, and we're like, we're sorry, we're sold out. And he was just, he was not having it. <laughs> Do you have uh, any other kind of brains? Anything made out of metal, anything. <laughs> we didn't have those rubber gray brains. Mark, you remember those. Well, we and got we an actual brain. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to use a real brain. Disney will freak out. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I did have another question, too. Um, what moment do you think you guys went from, like, a scrappy band of underdogs at Almost Live to being, like, kind of seattle celebrities because there had to have been a moment because listening to you talk to uh ross schaefer i really got a feeling for like the beginning of the show and yeah like yeah. the underground marketing you guys would had to do would have to do uh you know trying to get the state song changed was a great story and all of that yeah. kind of stuff but was there a moment where you were you guys you were like oh we now we're we're famous yeah i don't know i mean for me it might be a little different because I, I was working at King TV, which is where the show originated, yeah. as um, uh, a marketing and a promotion uh, writer and producer, and, and so 
I wasn't really on the show. I would say I was on the show maybe half, a little more than half of its if its timeline. Right. Uh, so I kind of came sliding in, uh, in in fits and and bits uh, occasionally, and then pretty soon more regularly, and then finally as a regular. And I I was always doing the the intros at the beginning. Right. I say, hey, it's time for almost live, and then I'd get in my car and drive home. So I I didn't actually come to the show that much. Right. But, uh, and I can't remember a moment, but it, I do remember that it happened. And one time just kind of strolling through town or maybe we're in a restaurant and, and people come over, Hey, I like you on that show. And I, and I just was floored. I th- Oh my God, people watch that show. And they, <laughs> yeah. And they, I mean, it, it is, it's unnerving. And, and then it feels really good. Uh, I've talked to other people about this, um, news people, especially in the local market. And I think it was Dan Lewis one time who said, you know, when I go into a restaurant and somebody recognizes me, they kind of point over and they look, oh, there's, oh, look, I remember him from there. Yeah. But he said, but uh, I said, but when people see one of us, they smile. They, yes. they, <laughs> or they even laugh. Oh, look at that. Look who's there. And that's kind of, that was really cool. And news people don't get that kind of, unless you're a terrible news person, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, so that, that, that felt good. you got the feeling that you made people feel good. They, they were amused that you did stuff that they liked. And um, man, that, that, that was just a feeling beyond whatever meager amount they would pay you. Those right. dividends <laughs> are unending. And you know, all of us, <laughs> uh, went to people's houses. We met, uh, people, uh, I remember vividly a, a young boy that was dying of cancer oh. and I, and I got the whole almost live troop to come with me and we visited them in the hospital and his parents, uh, they just couldn't, they couldn't articulate how they felt about that because the show meant so much to their kid. And, oh. uh, it was it was cool. So it was just a wonderful platform to have. And I think these podcasts, see how I circle back to that? <laughs> You're good. Um, they, they, <laughs> I think they really reveal a lot about these folks. And I'm yeah. just so glad that I did this. And I just was surprised at how forthcoming people are. I'm very uh, excited for the next ones because I know Nancy Guppy is on the latest one. I yep. love her. She's and terrific. I hope Tracy Conway because, you know, my girls. Yeah. Uh, Nancy, <laughs> Nancy, Nancy might be one of my favorite podcasts. She's just so, uh, so candid and so revealing and says stuff that I'm thinking, oh, are you sure you want to say that uh, thing on there? But she's great. She's absolutely uh, wonderful. And most of these are like that, all of them. Or yeah. like that. I'm and so excited for this, actually. To a person, I always ask the question at the end. I say, do you think where you are, Bill Nye, uh, you know, uh, Bob Nelson, where, do you think you would be where you are now if it hadn't been for Almost Live? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of begging the question because I know what the answer is, except for Joel McHale. <laughs> Joel <laughs> <laughs> and, Joel, and Joel's not being stand, uh, being a smartass about it, but he just says, no, you know, I always knew I wanted to try and go to Hollywood. I wanted to take a stab yeah. at things. Almost Live was a lucky happenstance that came along that helped me, uh, you know, hone my skills a little bit before I went down there. But I always knew that's what I was going to do. And I think I would be 
at least here in Hollywood, in L.A., whether I would have had network TV shows or not, I don't know. But uh, this is where I was going to go, and, and Almost Live didn't influence that particularly. <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute. Okay, he was honest, I guess. <laughs> he didn't put it quite that way, but... <laughs> <laughs> but he said, he said, I said, well, wait a minute. You, you, you had a whole bunch of uh, tape you could take down to LA with you sketches you were in and stuff that, that demo tape must've opened some doors. And he said, you know what? It didn't people, people, and this is what he told me. People in LA, they don't care about that stuff. They just want to know what do you, what can you do right now, right here and aud- audition for us. And we want to see what you can do. Well, I thought that was very telling. I, I don't want to discourage anybody's dreams who thinks they're going to put a tape together and head down to, down to, uh, you know, Wilshire Boulevard, but it, it just apparently, at least in Joel's case, never worked that way. And any, any jobs he got were mostly from chutzpah and auditioning. That's there so- was a time when he was on so many commercials on TV. We used to count him. It's almost a drinking game to see like, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's Joel, Joel Kill again. There he is again. There he is again. And he was in every he was like the everyman for a while. It was- yeah, and I think he will be the first to tell you because he alludes to this in a book he wrote, which is a terrible book, by the way. Because uh, <laughs> I I suck a lot. We get the but, dish. I love the dish. <laughs> well, no, I mean it, it just it, it's fine. But he um you you watch his hairline in the almost live sketches. And you realize this guy is the budding successor to John Keister. And then all of a sudden he goes to Hollywood and his hair came back. Hey, (laughs) so anybody whose hair is uh, on the wane right now, pack up the car, head to Southern California. Wow. So so you're saying Joel McHale is the William Shatner of almost live. Yeah, the Burt Reynolds, the William. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. But but he used to joke about it all the time. Of course, yes. I. <laughs> he's great. He's he's one of my favorite people in the world, and and he is absolute sweetheart of a person. He and yes. his wife have been married forever. They got some great kids. I mean, whatever. I I remember. I I kind of looked at him like I'm his dad, and I thought, hey, I don't know. I don't want him moving down there and ruining a good person but you know it didn't change him a bit he's so so well grounded that and he was so well brought up that uh, he's influencing hollywood not the other way around that's a great compliment wow that is a great compliment well um i just want to recommend again to people that they uh listen to almost live still alive um which they can find on anywhere podcasts are downloaded yeah, anywhere um, you get your podcast it's there and it's uh, there and um it's uh it's such a it's not only um not only such a great history of the show and of seattle but also just a great story um uh because i think i think it's really interesting to see how a group of really creative smart funny people come together for that moment in time and create something and uh, then are able to split off and go and do other amazing things. Um, But it really captures a moment of time in Seattle when a lot of stuff was going on when, um, you know, right before Seattle hit it big. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, it really did. Like big grunge stars on there, you know, doing the lame, the lame list and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and also, just as Shauna said, it helped define what Seattle was, um, too, especially to a national audience. So, um, I, I I think I think that happened, Dave. Just just along the way i don't think anybody sat down and says let's define what seattle is it just you know it was just it just happened because it re, you know it reflected what we saw going on around us uh it never rarely did we ever try to address national issues no. it was always about local that's what people right. remembered that's what they liked they liked jokes about ballard kent uh, linwood their neighborhoods where they lived uh, it was it, it so it was their show. It wasn't a national show, even though it had a a run on Comedy Central for a couple of years, like you said, David. Yeah, and, uh, and it was syndicated a couple of times around the world. I would hear from people in foreign countries that had seen it, but but when you got right down to it, it was a local TV show, uh, just like Archie McPhee's is a local local focus store. Uh, yeah, like in, on a straight line from J.P. Patches. Uh, yep. and those yeah, things. Exactly. Well, um, I just want to thank you, Pat Cashman. Thank and you, Professor Farndark, uh, for, <laughs> for, wow. for being here. We actually, we, we do have a group of listeners that love horror movie hosts that will be more excited that Professor Farndark was on than Pat Cashman. So I have to, I have to shout out to them just because they'll be like, oh. <laughs> I must, I must, I must engender the help of people that uh, are smarter than me. That can, I have these things on DVDs. I need to get them up on YouTube oh. uh, because they are ancient. But I think you'll see some of them actually weren't too bad. They were kind of funny. They just went on too long, and that's one of the things you learn when when of you course. start doing sketch but, comedy. No, it shouldn't really be a twenty-eight minute sketch. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a minute and a half would do it. <laughs> That's so true. That's one of the reasons I love those local sketch comedy shows too much. There was one out of Cleveland called Big Chuck and Little John that was my favorite when I was a kid. And some huh. of the sketches would go on for five minutes with the same joke repeated over and over again. And, and <laughs> when I was eight, that was the best. <laughs> like yeah. the best thing ever. Yeah. So when anyway. you were nine, you were starting by the time you were yeah. nine, you were thinking, eh, man, this isn't really Yeah, they, they should cut that. Yeah. <laughs> this has yeah. no end. This has I, no ending. I'm going down there, dang it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Pat Cash. Thank you. Appreciate you being thank here. You. Thank, thank you so you. much. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Again, Pat's podcast is almost live, still alive. And for more information about Archie McPhee, go to McPhee.com. That's M-C-P-H-E-E.com. Thanks, you guys.